Welcome to the 10th episode of the Multimedia Podcast. This episode is all about the programming side of the degree. I speak to Kimi Maiberg, who is a multimedia graduate and software engineer at RetroRabbit. Cool. So I just want to say thank you so much for making the time to join the podcast today. And um, perhaps you can start out by just introducing yourself and telling me a little bit about where you work and what you do. Okay, so I'm Kimi Maiberg. I recently got married, so it's still something to get used to. I am a software developer at RetroRabbit. So um, what that means is basically any software that Retro wants, I develop. Um, if they want an app or a website or a program, um, yeah, then that is what they want. Uh, I'll deliver. <laughs> um, so I think quite a common question when it comes to software development is what languages do you use to develop the software? So maybe you can give a little bit more information about that. Okay, so the software that we use is based on the client because we are consultants, we get sent to a client and um, if they want something in React, we have to create it in React and if they want a mobile uh, app, we can maybe use Kotlin or Flutter. So any um, language that's out there, we will um, probably have to use it. We also started a, pro a project um, using Golang as uh, for the back end. Um, so yeah, if you Google what websites or apps or whatever you want to use, um, uh, that's out there, then we'll probably implement it. <laughs> okay. So it sounds like you learn a lot of new languages on a regular basis. Uh, yes. Um, we do learn a lot of languages and our company really likes, um, uh, something that's new. So even if it's not released yet, they will try to implement it. Um, like when Angular 2 was in beta, I had to work on a project and there wasn't any documentation yet, but wow. <laughs> yeah, we had to make it work. Sure. Okay. Um, what's it like having to, like, what are the timeframes usually with regards to learning something new? Is it, is it quite stressful when, when you have to encounter a new technology? Yes, it is very stressful, um, especially if you don't have a lot of time to learn a language. You have to do it as you start developing stuff. But I must say, um, the more experience you have, the easier it gets to actually implement um, a new, uh, using a new um, framework. Okay, makes sense. I guess the, the, the more you learn, the, the better you get at, at learning and figuring out what it is you have to know to get started. Yes, exactly with, um, sorry, uh, I remember when I had COS, COS 212, uh, we had to develop something in C++ and then we had to translate it in Java. And that was the first step of actually learning how different languages look. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so is, is it, do you find that they're quite similar? Uh, and then once you know the basics, you can sort of just adapt to the syntax? Yes, de definitely. Okay. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about being a consultant. Um, does that mean that you don't actually go to your own company's offices? Do you go to a different company's offices? And, and what's your experience with regards to being a consultant? 
so when I started at Retro, I had to work on a project for Liberty. So yes, I had to go to Bromfontein and work at the client, as well as when I worked at NetBank, for example. But now my client is in London, so that's quite nice because now I can sit at home and work. Uh, we do have offices, um, so you're also welcome to work there if you want, but I guess I'm more comfortable at home. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And um, when you're going to these other offices, do you like mingle with the people at the company or, or is it quite separated in terms of you're the consultant, you're not actually part of their company? So we are kind of part of the team. So they usually give us access cards as well and we have to sign a lot of documentation. So you get treated as an employee of the company, even though you are a consultant. Uh, which is actually quite nice because you can also experience different environments. Yeah, yeah, that's actually. It sounds like on a like a regular basis, you're you get to kind of change what you do, which sounds really interesting. Yes, exactly. Can you maybe tell me a little bit about what you enjoy most about your job? Uh, so I definitely enjoy building software, and if the client is happy, um, it makes me happy, and also seeing something getting into production where a lot of other users are using it. It's actually really cool to, to also think, you know, you also help building this uh, amazing software. And sometimes you get advertisements and stuff like that. So you kind of feel like, yeah, you're special, even if they don't know you've worked on it. <laughs> yeah, so you get to see something go from being just an idea to being that's something that's actually created. Yes. And um, what made you having, you studied multimedia, right? Yes. Um, what made you decide to choose software engineering as opposed to something else in the field? So originally I wanted to do game development and I was, uh, until my second year, I still wanted to do game development. But with uh, the career day that Tux had, uh, I actually spoke to some of the people from Retro Rabbit and I really enjoyed um, what they were building. And as I got into third year, I started working there and I actually realized I, I like building software more than I actually do game development because I'm not... Like, to be honest, I'm not as creative. I like being told this is what you have to make and then you go along with that, then having to think of a completely new idea. Okay, that's quite interesting. So when you do your, when you're doing software development, is it, is it a lot of being told what to do in terms of these are the requirements, you know, do it and, and, and less problem solving, creative problem solving, or how would you describe it? Uh, so the nice thing about studying multimedia, you can go into two separate fields at Retro Rabbit. You can either go into the design field or the development field. So if you go into the design field, you are the person responsible for creating the designs um, that has to display on the website and the developer just has to develop it, um, developer functionality and obviously the view of how the designers designed it. Okay, so um, you're saying that the development side then, like you say, it's a lot more structured. Yes, it is a lot more structured. Um, it's like functionality you have to learn um, in a sense of, you know, if you don't know how to press a button, obviously that coding you need to learn. But um, 
making styling something according to the design you have a design so you know exactly what you're supposed to build okay yeah that makes sense um you mentioned you started working there in your third year with that was that full-time or vacation work so I was working there. I only had one subject left. So I started working there full time um, and they were fine with it. And then they also offered to pay for my honors. So then I just like continued working there. I think I'm working there for five years now. Okay, wow. Um, and so, so you did your honors part time then? Uh, no, I kind of did it full time. It's just one subject that I had to do the next year, the first semester. Okay, and what was your experience of full-time work, full-time honours? <laughs> I kind of died, <laughs> to be honest. It's it's very difficult because you don't give um, you don't give hundred percent for both uh, because you have to work late hours and then you have to get up early. So, <laughs> to be honest, I would rather do it both part-time. Um, then I would have also gotten better marks. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so you've mentioned something, you've mentioned what you enjoy about your job, going from an idea to something that's like a finished product that people use. Can you talk a little bit about things that frustrate you about your job? So things that frustrate me a lot is scope creep, meaning that they would give us a requirement and then uh, we work with sprints. I, f I don't know if yeah, you, can explain uh, you know what agile maybe. environment is. Okay, so with an agile environment, you have every two weeks you have sprints. And in those sprints, you have a certain functionality that has to be completed during that sprint. Right. And sometimes the requirements change and then you can't finish that two-week sprint. And then it becomes a problem because then you get behind work or you have to work extra hours to get um, the work done. So it becomes quite complicated. Um, but the nice thing about Agile is at least you don't implement the entire working project just to find out the client is not happy. You only implement a little piece of code and then the client tells you, no, he doesn't want that. Then obviously you can just change that piece of code. Okay, so you've only lost two weeks essentially if they don't like it. Yes. Okay, uh, Okay. so you, so you mentioned scope creep. Um, anything else that you, you find frustrating? Uh, also, sometimes when you have to work late hours, uh, like our company, they don't, they don't want you to work late hours. So if you work late hours, then the next day you can start later, but we don't actually get uh, incentive for that. Mm -hmm. um, so that can be quite frustrating. So you have to learn to say no. <laughs> say no to what specifically? Say no to working overtime. So you have to tell the client, right. you know, this is, I'm not going to be able to finish it during the working hours. He has to give me more time or something like that. Otherwise, you're just going to burn out. Yes, that was actually one of my questions. So um, do you find that that's quite possible to just, just say no and have the time extended? Or are they often quite unmovable in terms of deadlines? So, yeah. So if there's like a, a demo that is going to happen. Yes, you will be required to work overtime. And with banks, the deployments are during um, the evening because you don't want active users um, having, if you have to deploy, then obviously the website will be down. And if you have active users, you will lose those clients. 
So stuff like that you have to take into consideration that if you're doing deployments, it will be after hours and sometimes before a demo, you're going to have to work overtime. But usually uh, after the demo, then it's much more relaxed okay. for a while until the next deadline. <laughs> okay. And then um, how does it work with, with leave? Is it quite... Oh, oh. Put, let me put it this way. If you've now built this system and you're partially responsible for it working, if something goes wrong and you happen to be on holiday or on a weekend, do you get called on to fix it immediately? Or is that something that can wait? Or how does it? How responsible are you for the system after you've created it? Uh, so this also um, depends on your level of seniority on the project. So if you're a junior, uh, you're not going to be bothered about the system, but if you're more of a senior, you have to you have the responsibility to make sure that the product is working. But if you are on leave, um, you obviously there will be a, another person on the project that will take that responsibility. So, okay. Um, and so, yeah. Overall, would you say that your experience of being a software engineer that there is a good work-life balance? Um, so you have to make that work-life balance yourself. Um, I think a lot of companies, if you give the client too much leverage, they are going to take it. So that's why you need to um, stand your ground from the beginning of the project. Because Richard doesn't mind you saying no to the client, but we have a lot of employees, so they can't keep track of every single employee um, they work like if they work very long hours. We have a system now that they developed to check your um, activity log just to make sure you're not working um, too late every night. But but still, it's your responsibility to yeah you know, to manage your own work life. Okay, no, that makes sense. It makes sense that you actually as a generally as an adult human, you have to learn to put boundaries in place in in all areas of your <laughs> life. So it makes it's yes. a good skill to learn. Um. So maybe you can speak to me a little bit about how your multimedia degree has impacted your career up to this point. Have you found it worthwhile? And if so, which parts in particular have been helpful for you? So yes, definitely. And actually, like even if I'm not creative, a lot of the creativity still sticks in the back of my mind because when we have designs, I can easily also identify if it's going to work or not. Um, so that is nice. And also a lot of the designers, they have studied multimedia and decided to take the design route. So they're also able to understand what is possible to develop, even though they're just doing design. So I find it to work with the designers that studied multimedia. Um, it's, it's much better experience than someone who just studied design. And also um, we had a lot of programming subjects so that helped a lot and um, we created websites. I know years after, like last year, they started with React. Mm, yes. Which is actually, I, I would have liked learning React in that sense. And I've, there's a lot of new students who were able to develop something in React much quicker mm. where I, I still use jQuery uh, when I started. Okay. Okay, so you say the the overlap between understanding both the design and the co the coding side is is what's primarily been helpful for you. Yes. Okay. Um, can you tell me a little bit about skills that are important for someone 
who would want to be a software engineer. So if there's someone who's entering the field, what would you say is most important for them to be good at, whether that's soft skills or actual like technical knowledge? So um, the technical knowledge that they have to know is it's a lot like maths. Um, you have to understand how to solve a problem. Um, so solving problems, every person is unique and they will have their own way of doing things. But uh, even with game development, if you want to, if you create a character and you want to make it wa walk, for example, you need to implement that logic. So, uh, but even if you, you don't understand a specific programming skill, uh, when we have our interviews, they will usually just give you a problem and you can solve it in any way you want to. They just want to see you can think logically about the problem. Okay. And then in terms of soft skills, anything you think that should stand out from someone wanting to do this job? Well, they should be, <laughs> they should be excited about what they want to do. Um, be, working as a software engineer, you, you need to be passionate about software. Otherwise, you're going to hate it. Um, I love learning new languages. I love doing new things. So for me, I fit perfectly in the work environment. And because most people are working remotely, you should also be able to discipline yourself to get up at eight and work until five and make sure you take your lunch break. Otherwise, you're just going to end up working the whole time. So all of that, you also need to take in consideration seeing as we're all working remotely now. Yeah, that's actually a really good point I wanted to ask you. So you mentioned um, one of the ways to have a good work-life balance is to learn how to say no. Are there maybe any other tips that you've picked up along the way, especially in the last year, that you can maybe share? So <laughs> this is actually a very strange thing to say, but if you get up in the morning, put clothes on or go take a shower, brush your teeth, do your um, daily morning um, stuff, mm. because... Once you get up and you just start programming, you're not going to stop. You're going to go on and on and on until midnight. So you still need to um, keep the Structure. Uh, what do you call it uh, routine. Mm. Yeah, of getting up, taking a shower. Then you eat your breakfast. Then you start working. Twelve o'clock, you take your lunch break, and five o'clock, you you stop working. Mm. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good one. Otherwise, without structure, you sort of just completely go off the rails. Um, Yes. Yeah. Um, can you maybe tell me a little bit about the the process? I mean, I know you've only you've done you've worked for Retro, um, but maybe you can share a little bit about how how someone goes about getting the job. So, do they need a portfolio? What's the interview process like? Um, what can they expect? Uh, yeah. So, um, with um, the software engineer side, they usually um, we have our website where you can apply, and then. Usually, if you just graduated, we have an entire graduation program uh, for the developers so that they can ease into software so they don't, don't just like have to start a project with a client and have no idea what mm. to do. For the designers, they actually have a portfolio. I can send you a link of one of our senior designers created an article on Medium on how to create a good portfolio. Yes, please do that. Um, so I'll share that mm. link. Yeah, I'll put that in the, the notes for the episode. Um, okay, so no, no portfolios for developers? No. Okay. And then the interview process, you mentioned that they, they give you problems to solve. Is there anything else to expect? 
So generally, they just check uh, or they just talk to you to know who you are and what your personality is like to make sure you will fit in the environment. But we didn't have a case where someone does not fit. Um, It's more like checking are they able to solve a problem logically. But that's it. Our interview process is um, quite um, chilled in that sense. They just actually want to get to know you. And then when we start with the graduate program, then they will actually be able to see if you're able to cope in the environment itself. Okay. Um, I think we've basically reached the end of the questions. Maybe you could, is there, any, is there anything else you want to add or any tips you want to give to someone wanting to become a software engineer? So I can definitely say like, I, unfortunately I had to do an extra year, um, uh, because I, I couldn't, um, finish all my computer science modules and I'm still able to land a job at retro, um, because I was pushing myself to make sure that I complete my degree, even if I struggled, even if I had to study extra year, I was still determined to finish it. So I just actually want to encourage the students to, even if you feel like you're not going to finish the year, don't give up and, you know, push through for the next year. And our company does also have um, hackathons and stuff like that to just uh, show students how it will be working in the industry. And I think in that sense, I also get a bit more motivated on what's out there. So, yeah, just definitely just the encouragement to make sure you finish your degree. I like that because I think a lot of people get despondent if they fail a computer science module and then they maybe start thinking, you know, maybe I'm not made to do this. So um, I think that's really helpful advice. Um, especially with um, some of the students who did not study multimedia who has math subjects. So some of the multimedia people also take linear algebra and stuff like that. And then when they can't do that, they just drop out and then they just try and land a job and work themselves up to there. But it's it's better, especially in our company, um, you will be placed in a higher position than someone who does not have a degree. Okay, that that's good to know. So you're saying that there is value to getting the actual piece of paper at the end. Yes, definitely. Good to know. (laughs) Um, Anything else you want to add? No, I think that's it. Okay, great. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your expertise. You're the first software engineer we've had on the the podcast. So it's been really interesting to hear what you do and um, to hear that the degree has served you well, but also that you enjoy what you do. Um, So thank you very much.